Dr. Death or Dr. Savior. There are a lot of conflicting feelings on this man and what he did. Jack Kevorkian assisted more than 100 patients to die on their own terms. They claimed to be terminally ill and couldn't live on. Today, we talk about the actions of Jack Kevorkian. Hey guys, and welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Lulu, and today is episode two of the Jack Kevorkian case. We are going to jump pretty much right in. We are going to start rapid firing the list of the rest of his victims um, because he he really assisted in over a hundred and our list has close to a hundred names onto it. So before we start with that, I do just want to reiterate some points from my last episode. Um, the big ones are, I know that this is a very controversial case. I know that a lot of people feel very strongly about this case and the things that happened in it, but we are here trying to share what happened. We are here trying to stay as neutral as possible. And I just want you to keep an open mind as we talk about this because it is such a controversial case. Um, I don't want to see any negative comments on my website. I don't want to see any angry things on my website. I don't want to see any fighting. We're not covering this case to make people mad or to fight. We're covering this case because this has happened and we want to just talk about it. So now that we have said that, we are going to go ahead and just jump right into the list of his next patients. Um, how old they were and what they were suffering from. Susan William, she was 52 at the time of her death and she was suffering from MS. Louis F. Haas, she was 52 at the time and was suffering from lung cancer. Catherine Andreas, she was 46 at the time and was suffering from breast cancer. Margaret Tate, she was 70 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Marcella Lawrence, she was 67 at the time and was suffering from heart disease, emphysema, a failing liver, and arthritis. Susan Williams, she was 52 at the time and was suffering from MS. Jack E. Miller, he was 53 at the time and was suffering from bone cancer. Stanley Ball, he was 82 at the time and was suffering from pancreatic cancer and he was also blind. Mary Burnett, she was 73 at the time and was suffering from breast cancer. Elaine Goldbaum, she was 47 at the time and was suffering from MS. Hugh Gale, he was 70 at the time and was suffering from emphysema and heart disease. Martha Ruwert, she was 41 at the time and was suffering from duodenal and ovarian cancer. Jonathan Greenes, he was 44 at the time and was suffering from mouth and throat cancer. Ronald Manser, he was 54 at the time and was suffering from bone and lung cancer. Thomas Hyde, he was only 30 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Donald O'Keefer, he was 73 at the time and was suffering from bone cancer. 
Marianne Frederick, she was 72 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Ollie Colley, he was 61 at the time and was suffering from bone cancer. Margaret Garnish, she was 72 at the time and was suffering from rheumatoid arthritis, cognitive diverticulitis, osteoporosis, she had a leg that was amputated and she lost one of her eyes. John Evans, he was 78 at the time and he was suffering from pulmonary fibrosis. Nicholas Loving, he was 27 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Eric Garcilia, she was 60 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Esner Cohan, she was 45 at the time and was suffering from MS and painful ulcers. Patricia Cashman, she was 58 at the time and was suffering from breast and possibly bone cancer. I could not find for sure if it was also bone cancer. Linda Hensley, she was 48 at the time and was suffering from MS. Austin Bestable, he was 53 at the time and was suffering from MS. Ruth Newman, she was 69 at the time and was suffering from uterine cancer, diabetes, she was having strokes, and paralysis. Lona Jones, she was 58 at the time and was suffering from brain cancer. Betty Hamilton, she was 67 at the time and was suffering from myelia, I believe is how you say it. Shirley Klein, she was 63 at the time and was suffering from bowel cancer. Rebecca Badger, she was 39 at the time and was suffering from MS. But the medical examiner did not believe that this was the case with Rebecca. Elizabeth Mertz, she was 59 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Judith Curran, she was 42 at the time and was suffering from chronic fatigue and immune dysfunction syndrome. Louis Sebens, she was 76 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Patricia Smith, she was 40 at the time and was suffering from MS. Pat Deganji, he was 66 at the time and was suffering from cancer and was having strokes. Jack Leatherman, he was 73 at the time and was suffering from pancreatic cancer. Isabel Corella, she was 60 at the time and was suffering from spinal disease and chronic pain. Richard Faw, he was 71 at the time and was suffering from colon cancer. Wallace Spolar, he was 70 at the time and was suffering from MS. Nancy Soto, she was 55 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Barbara Collins, she was 65 at the time and was suffering from ovarian cancer. Loretta Peabody, she was 54 at the time and was suffering from MS. Elaine Day, she was 79 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Lisa Lansing, she was 42 at the time and was suffering from Crohn's disease. Helen Livingood, she was 59 at the time and was suffering from severe arthritic pain and crippling esophagus problems. 
Albert Miley. He was 41 at the time and was suffering from quadriplegia, I think is how you say that. Sorry, with all these medical terms, I just <laughs> never said a lot of these. Anyways, Jeanette Knowles. She was 75 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Heidi, Heidi Azulatine. She was 27 at the time and was suffering from AIDS. DeLewis Batcher. She was 63 at the time and was suffering from MS. Janice Murphy. She was 40 at the time and was suffering from chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. Lene Lennox. She was 54 at the time and was suffering from MS. Dorinda Skipmeyer. She was 51 at the time and was suffering from MS. Karen Schofstall. She was 34 at the time and was suffering from MS. Janet Good. She was 73 at the time and was suffering from pancreatic cancer. Thomas Summer Lee. He was 55 at the time and was suffering from MS. Carol Fox. She was 50 at the time and was suffering from ovarian cancer. Deborah Stickles. She was 43 at the time and was suffering from MS. Natviral Thankor, I believe is how you say it. He was 78 at the time and was suffering from Parkinson's disease. Kari Miller. She was 54 at the time and was suffering from MS. John Donowick, I think is how you say it. He was 50 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Louis Casewell. She was 65 at the time and was suffering from chronic pain. Annette Blackman. She was 34 at the time and was suffering from MS. John O'Hara. He was 54 at the time and was suffering from strokes, gout, and kidney problems. Nadia Folds. She was 72 at the time and was suffering from cancer. Naomi Satches. She was 84 at the time and was suffering from osteoporosis. Bernice Gross. She was 78 at the time and was suffering from MS. Martha Wichork. She was 72 at the time and was suffering from various different kinds of alignments. Rosila Haas. She was 59 at the time and was suffering from breast cancer. Sherry Tremble. She was 46 at the time and was suffering from breast cancer. Margaret Wilhard. She was 89 at the time and was suffering from stroke, paralysis, and blindness. Mary Longford. She was 73 at the time and was suffering from breast and lung cancer. Franz Jonathan Long. He was 53 at the time and was suffering from possible bladder cancer. Nancy Rush. She was 81 at the time and was suffering from lung cancer, emphysema, and ulcers. Carrie Hunter. She was 35 at the time and was suffering from AIDS. Jeremy Allen. He was 52 at the time and was suffering from kidney cancer. Marie Clement. She was 76 at the time and was suffering from the advanced stages of Parkinson's disease. Roosevelt Dawson. He was 21 at the time and was suffering from quadriplegia. Patricia Graham. She was 61 at the time and was suffering from rheumatoid arthritis. William Conadin. 
He was 42 at the time and was suffering from fibromyalgia. Waldo Herman. He was 66 at the time and was suffering from lung cancer. Martha Canner. She was 67 at the time and was suffering from Huntington disease. Shala Sermonic. She was 47 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Colin Wilson. She was 74 at the time and was suffering from ALS. Jack Skenburn. He was 89 at the time and was suffering from prostate cancer. Priscilla Hills. She was 73 at the time and was suffering from chronic arthritis, sciatica, generative disc disease, and asthma. Lucille Alderman. She was 86 at the time and was suffering from heart disease and osteoarthritis. Matthew Johnson. He was 26 at the time and was suffering from quadriplegia. Emma Cass. She was 68 at the time and was suffering from lung cancer. And then the last one on my list, which is number 93, Joseph Tuskawaski. He was 45 at the time and was suffering from quadriplegia. Now I do have uh, some information about a couple of his patients. It is said that the death of 70-year-old Hugh Gal, they were having second thoughts when Jack placed the gassing mask on him, but he still went through with it. We do not know if Jack made him go through with it or if he changed his mind. We don't really know. Um, this then left Michigan legislate to pass a bill actually making it a felony to knowingly provide somebody with the tools to commit suicide or assisting them to go through with the act. In that last death of Joseph, Jack is said to have taken out one of his kidneys after the gassing was over because Jack wanted to give that to somebody who wanted to live. If you remember, we talked about that at the beginning. Um, whoever took it out, whether it was Jack or not, they actually left the body very mutilated from removing this kidney. They did not remove Joseph's clothing and they actually just pulled it up and then just sliced open his belly. And I get it that Joseph was already dead, but they still should have had at least a little bit of respect for the body um, and did it the correct way. He then, Jack, decided to hold a press conference where he told the public what had happened and offered the kidneys to anybody as a first come first serve basis. Nobody ended up taking the kidneys of this man though. Some people do claim that Line Goldbaum had financial problems and that she was afraid she was going to lose her house and that is why she went through with it. They also believe that Jonathan Grinez was depressed and overwhelmed with grief after his mother had passed away. And they also felt that Ollie felt as though his quality of life was compromised by his anxiety. Of course, none of these things are fact, really. It was a lot of speculation of the people um, around that did not feel like they should have went through with it. Um, 
So I just wanted to make that clear that this was not like, it was not for sure that Line had financial problems or that John was depressed or that Ali had too much anxiety. It is not a fact. This is speculation from the people after all of this came out with what Jack had participated in. Jack also videotaped himself injecting one of his patients with the drugs and he tried to get it to be aired nationwide. This is when Jack is said to dare authorities to come after him and try to prosecute him. By this point, he did end up getting arrested and this is where his convictions would start and where he would start to get charged with stuff. Now, his machine is said to be down the day that he injected this patient, but obviously this caused a outward cry from the public because they felt like at that point Jack was killing somebody himself and was not assisting somebody in the suicide if that makes any sense so Jack ended up getting charged with second degree murder in the death that involved Thomas Yoke this was the videotape Jack had taken and it showed Thomas was paralyzed and the chemicals that were directly injected into him from Jack. During his trial, Jack was not able to convince the judge that his victims were suffering enough to need to die. It is said that it was very clear in the last patient on the videotape that he was suffering from dying and the pain, even though Jack claimed it was going to be painless and because of all of this and the fact that he injected the patient himself Jack was found guilty and was sentenced to 10 to 25 years in a prison in Michigan we're gonna hop around a tiny bit right here um, just because it's there's a lot of random little information that I wanted to put in in November of 1993, Jack ended up serving two jail sentences on the charges um, that he violated against the state's laws because he was assisting in somebody's suicide. During this first jail sentence, though, he ended up threatening to starve himself as a protest to what he believed was an immoral law. This did cause them to remove him from jail but then after the assisted suicide of another patient, he was sentenced to jail again. During the second jail sentence, he would then starve himself again to try to get out, but they didn't let him out this time and it just left him super weak. And he was finally released after serving it on December 17th, 1993. I also wanted to really quickly state that that list of people that we listed off were just the confirmed people that he had assisted. Um, there could have been more, which were kept private and were not recorded. We are not 100% sure if he did have more patients he helped or if this is everybody. Most of what was recorded were in the newspaper at the time, and that's how he had this paper trail. And I also wanted to put in here that, and I saw this on a lot of different you know, websites and during my research, a lot of his patients were not considered terminally ill in the eyes of the law. 
The term terminally ill means that the life expectancy of the patient is six months or less. And a lot of his patients could have lived many, many years past this point. But Jack felt as though the term terminally ill was anything that shortened the life at all, even by a day. He also felt like voluntary self-elimination of oneself from a disease or a cripple in your life would actually strengthen the public because it was essentially like Darwinism where they would be gone and not be able to repopulate and make more sick people, if that makes any sense. I can kind of see where he's coming with that, but I do want to remind you that a lot of his patients were much older and were probably done having kids and things like that. Jack also felt as though the medical professionals should be able to help people with their life as well as with their death, that they should be there all around for their patients. And if they're there to help them live, they should also be there to help them die if they chose to and had a reason they wanted to. Obviously, a lot of these things are very controversial. There is a very defined line down the middle of people who believe that Jack was a saint and others who believe that Jack was just a killer. Before we wrap up today's episode, I did want to talk about the impact on some of the families that Jack assisted. A lot of these families would hold their big family reunions and they would end up inviting Jack to join them. They felt like Jack did them a service and there was many photographs with him in the background at these family reunions. A lot of these families loved him and were his biggest supporters. He also had a ton of these families that would write him and they asked him if they could assist in paying some of his legal bills or do anything to help him while he fought against the system. He quickly declined any of these offers. Then when he was convicted, these families would stay in touch with him while he was serving his sentence. Now we're gonna move on to his release. He served eight years of that 10 to 25 year sentence and they chose to release him early with the condition that he would not offer anyone any advice about suicide nor promote it or participate in any part of it. He did somehow get away with being able to go and carry lectures at different universities. And he chose to run for Congress at one point, and he did a lot of TV interviews where he talked about it. I'm not sure how he got away with this because I could see how this would be considered promoting it, but he, ne he never got recharged, so he got away with it got away with you know talking about it and after a long battle with kidney problems liver complications and pneumonia Jack ended up dying at 83 years old it does sound like they did not try any artificial attempts to keep him alive and he ended up passing away a painless death is what they claim Jack wanted to create a world where if you did not want to live, you did not need to live. He felt as though it would be better to help the human race. This is a very controversial thought and topic to live in, but it is one that Jack was passionate about. 
He had drawn up plans to create these death houses that even the youngest of 18 could go. Even though he started with people who were deemed as terminally ill, he felt as though if somebody wanted to die, they should be able to. He felt like these people who were willing to give up their lives could donate the organs that they would be leaving behind in their bodies to the people who wanted to live. And this is where the big debate starts. Was Dr. Kevorkian a saint or was he a killer? There may be false or misleading information throughout this podcast. All facts have been researched to the best of my abilities, but accidents do happen. If this is a story you are interested in knowing more about, I highly recommend doing your own research. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.